Anyone got any big February plans? Ooh. Uh, I'm dog sitting at the end of the month, but that's not that like that exciting. Uh, day one of February. Uh, getting braces on. That's right. right. Huge. Very exciting. No, the that is the last thing that it is. I am so unhappy about it. Uh, yeah. Have you thought about what colors you're gonna pick? No. No, I forgot that's a yeah. part of it. I mean, I did... Right. The, I'm you trying know. to remember what was big about braces when I was, like, you know, 12 or whatever. Yeah, like, whatever. I was younger. I was, like, nine. Uh, it was a sure. bad idea to do it that early, I think. Yeah, right. I never had braces as a kid, um, but my friends did. And one of my friends, mm. uh, one time we were, like, walking to our other friend's house to hang out. And uh, for whatever reason, I was, like, late getting there. Uh, and I was walking towards that way. I saw someone else we were with also walking towards our friend's house. And then I saw my friend who had braces walking back towards me. And I was like, what's going on? And he's walking and he's got a wire sticking out of his mouth from where it had like come off of the bracket and his, off his braces. And he was like, I gotta go home. And I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. He just says like a guitar wire, what it looked like sticking out of his mouth. Yikes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, you know, the, I never had major problems with my braces. Like, I remember the, 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 the most traumatic, uh, mouth, you know, intervention gear memory I have is that I had a, a palate expander, like on, they put on the roof of your mouth mm-hmm. and then like every couple of weeks you go in and they like crank it a couple more to like spread your, sure. your, the top of your mouth out more. Uh, and like, it just... It just sort of sits there, and I remember once I got a ravioli stuck on top of it, and I couldn't get it off with my tongue, and eventually my mom had to, like, take a, like, a, like, a skewer, uh, for kebabs, and, like, push it off of the, the palate expander Mm -hmm. so that I could, uh, not just live with a ravioli stuck in my mouth for the rest of time. Yeah, the rest Um, of time. Yeah. Wow. That's what it would have been. I would uh-huh. still have that ravioli yeah. there today if my mom hadn't uh-huh. had that kebab. <laughs> yeah. I know this is a crazy topic to introduce this far into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but ravioli deeply overrated. No. Oh, fuck off. Emil- fuck that's off. a classic Emilio thinks he's eating and he's completely it. wrong. This is a podcast about <laughs> film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber and I'm joined by... Uh, Andy Ravioli. <laughs> Number one Ravioli stand going ahead. <laughs> if Ravioli has one hater, it's me, Emilio Diaz. Yeah. Alright. Uh, we're talking about Sundance today. We're talking more about Slamdance today. It's going to be a great episode. That's right. As you heard. It's always one of our biggest traffic episodes of the That's year. That's right. Very exciting. My energy level is high. So gauche. That's right. I just Don't say you know, that. It's exciting that people are listening. Um, you could refer to the listener as something other than traffic. You could say the yeah. one listening to. 
I love you, listeners. Uh, thank, you. You. thank you. <laughs> didn't, didn't we at All one right, point? we're starting over. Let's <laughs> go. Yeah, let's just do it. Um, Sunday's winners. Great. Yeah, let's start with yeah. What happened at that festival? Of course, they. Ha- I believe what happened this year is they held a ceremony and then like didn't announce anything, and then the next day or something, just like tweeted everything out, sort of. Maybe like there. You couldn't watch the ceremony this year, I don't believe. Um, and there were, like, a bunch of photos of people with their trophies already that led me to believe that, like, the winners had already, sure. like, been figured out and announced and stuff. Um, uh, but, yeah, so, you know, in the the main, the, the, you know, Sundance has many categories, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. The, 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 what we traditionally think of as the winner of Sundance is the U.S. Dramatic Competition Grand yes. Jury Prize winner. Mm-hmm. And that uh, went to A.V. Rockwell for 1,001 this year. None of us picked it. Which none of us picked. I'm not even, like, super familiar with it or clear on what it is. Um, I believe it has distribution. What won last year again? Um, Nanny won last uh, Nanny. year. Nanny won last year. That's right. Which uh, <laughs> It was called Laurel? Cullen really popping himself with that one. Mm-hmm. I do, before we even get into the words at all, I do want to say there okay. were, unless I'm double counting something, there were 12 movies in the uh, U.S. Dramatic Competition. Eight of those movies won awards. That seems like too many. I You know, it's Sundance, they're... Mostly small movies. We should give lots of awards, but two thirds seems like pushing it to me. Um, sure. I mean, you know, especially like what is what is the difference between the audience award and the festival favorite award? The festival favorite award is new. I feel right, and I. Th- is the festival favorite award like across all? It may be because there's programs. not one in any other categories, but I don't know. I do remember when we did our film festival sort of uh, breakdown at the beginning of last year. Uh, I had Sundance, and when I was trying to find like what award, right. I was like, "There's it, too fucking many." Right. There's not <laughs> like, a. We don't need there's all. There's no like. Uh, Right, uh, I mean, you know, I think it's largely, for? like, the infra- like the idea is, like, then you can say, like, Sundance Award winner in your marketing or whatever when you're going out sure. there and, like, no one asks too many questions about which one you specifically won, whether you yeah. won the Salt Screenwriting Prize or, or whatever. Um, yeah, the one that actually means something, or one of the many of it does. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. What are you going to do? participation trophies yada yada this is such a sour note for us to be starting i don't you know i don't know i don't know what to say i'm in a sour Um, mood i'm sorry um all right so yeah so a thousand and one one uh, yeah, the jury comprised, of course, of uh, Jeremy O'Harris, Eliza Hitman, and uh, Marley Matlin. Uh, yeah. They uh, gave little speeches, uh, apparently, and then um, and some of those things are in this quotes in this press release that I'm just pulling up in my email now that they sent us. Um, 
uh, yeah, uh, and so the audience award, the other like big prize in that, went to yeah. the Persian version, one of the most fun sure. movies to say the title of at the festival. Uh-huh. Um, the and I, um, that doesn't mean I need to have to correct myself. Despite having looked at this list many times, I did uh, manage to not see that that movie won two awards. So we're at seven out of twelve. Slightly sure. more reasonable. Yes. Most fun title to say in dramatic competition has to be Fancy Dance, right? I think so. Fancy Maybe. Dance. I think Persian version and Fancy Dance are real like neck and neck there. I love a rhyme, though. I do love a rhyme. Of course, the Persian version, uh, written and directed by uh, the writer and director of uh, Viper Club, which I saw at my first TIFF, famously, no longer is available for view, as YouTube Red does not exist anymore. Um, they didn't, it didn't get uh, pawned off in like the liquidation sale? Not as far as I can tell. It would Netflix, they didn't like bad. throw that in with uh, Cobra Kai to Netflix, being like, Cobra why don't you have uh-huh. this one? Um... Uh, well, there's still hope. I feel like the the CISO shows all found a home at some point. Sure. They're on Pluto. Was it TV also or a YouTube Red movie, the Joseph Kahn movie. Yeah, but I don't know where that movie is now. Uh, pro- my guess would be like Hulu. That seems that's just like a vibe guess, <laughs> not any sort of realism. <laughs> What's the next award? Uh, sure. So the directing award went to Sing Jay, uh, Jay Lee for the accidental getaway driver. Um, the um, aforementioned Waldo Salt also went to the Persian version, uh, Waldo mm-hmm. Salt Screenwriting Award. Uh, there was a special jury award for acting to Mutt. Um, the um, uh, by uh, Leo or the actor Leo Mahil. Um, special Jury Award Ensemble went to the cast of Theater Camp. I did just Google Mutt. <laughs> just the not word Mutt? Not getting you helpful? What sure. did, yeah, what what came of that? Uh, I'll tell you. Dictionary, Mutt, a dog, especially a mongrel. Mm-hmm. Two, a person regarded as stupid or incompetent. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh... Uh, and then finally... Theater Camp Ensemble. Yeah, right. And then, um... I'm sure we'll hear more about that. I'm not gonna, like... Alright. Um, so <laughs> awful. Uh, and then, uh... That was positive! Sure. I was teeing you up! <laughs> <laughs> this is our worst episode. The hour ever. later alley-oop coming is gonna yeah, be great. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, the spe- a special jury award for Creative Vision went to, uh, Magazine Dreams. As we always mm-hmm. love... Sundance juries can just Special make up awards, a couple yeah. of random awards for criteria. Achievement and neorealism, yeah. classic. <laughs> Vague I mean, and that, unknown. That is, that's the real crime, is that more than half of these movies won awards, but none of them won achievement in neorealism. That's right. We gotta Speaks bring it to back. to the current climate. We need Absolutely. to, like, really get on Listen, case. Listen, you can put any of us on the Sundance uh, U.S. Dramatic or any of the juries, and we will award an achievement in neorealism prize. That's our promise. Um, and then if we want to briefly look at the U.S. documentary competition, right, unless anyone else has anything to say about the dramatic U.S. Dramatic Competition Award. Please winners. go ahead. 
the grand jury prize went to Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni project, directed by Joe Brewster and mm-hmm. Michelle Michelle Stevenson. Uh, not quite sure how Michelle's. It's probably name. just Michelle. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, the audience award there went to Beyond Utopia. Um, the directing. I'm gonna no. say. We're just going to do the grand jury prizes for, for <laughs> these. We don't need to do all of them for each one of these. I mean, sure, after after U.S. <laughs> document, like, it's the other one. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I heard some buzz about a still small voice. I was going to say, I have heard that movie is um, very good. Yes. Uh, I've heard Wiseman thrown around as a comp. Sure. Um, the Freedom of Expression Special Jury Award went to Bad Press, a movie I've seen and we'll talk about a little later. Um, yeah. And then, so, just the highlights of the remaining (laughs) ones. Uh, World World Cinema Dramatic Competition's Grand Jury Prize went to Scrapper, and the Audience Award went to Shada. Um, World Cinema Documentary went, uh, Grand Jury went to the Eternal Memory. Audience Award went to 20 Days in Maripol. Um... And then, you know, there's also, like, you know, that those are the, the highlights. There's, like, the next awards and the... The, the Alfred awards. P. Sloan yes. Future Film right. Prize for Science went to the That's pod right. generation. We love we love the Sloan Foundation. It's famous. Famously, every, every playwright can get, like, a Sloan grant very easily by writing a play wow. that involves science discussion in some way. And then they will often just, like, very superficially have someone be a scientist and then, like, take that out in subsequent drafts is uh, something I've heard happens a lot. I can do that. Um, I wouldn't yeah, take it out. I'd leave the science in. No, I know. You love do science. They give, do, they, do they count math as science? They must. I'll write a math. Yeah, probably. I would recommend you research this yourself further because I don't have many sure. more answers than the, uh-huh. the, the lighthearted anecdote I just shared. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, um, so, you know, uh, an exciting set of winners, I guess. I haven't, I, like, I missed a lot of the winners, like, you know, I saw, uh, I saw a bunch of the U.S. Dramatic Competition, uh, the only things I saw that won, the only thing I saw that won anything was Theater Camp, out of the U.S. Dramatic Competition, despite me seeing, Mm -hmm. like, I think slightly less than half of it, so I, you know, maybe I disagree with you, Jesse, about too many things getting awards. Um, <laughs> you think they should all win something. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was like, oh, it's a little bum- bu- bu- bit of a bummer that Fancy Dance couldn't get an award, in my opinion. Um, oh. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, you know, and then I saw uh, Bad Press was the only doc I watched, and, and, I, and that won something. Um but yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's an interesting, like, it was an interesting festival in general this year because it was in person, uh, and, like, a lot That's of people right. went back, and, like, you were here getting the usual, like, dispatches from the ground, and, like... A lot! Maybe... Seems like maybe a mild overstatement to me. Sure. Some people went back. Right. I mean, you know, it seems like a fair number of people were on the ground there. I certainly, you know, from heard enough of people who saw the Celine song that, like, it seems like a lot of people were able to see that one, which was only screened in person. So I was like, oh, it seems like people are there. No, I believe if you were online press for the festival, that did have the movies that were not, not that not that one because I, I listened. Not to, they that ta- one. They, they talked about it on Little Gold Men. How, how interesting. Only, yeah, how only Richard Lawson was there, and he was the only one who was able to see that one. 
So there were certain movies that, yeah, that were available to online press that weren't available online for other people, but not everything was available to online press. Um, I mean, I wonder if that one specifically is maybe a Berlin thing. where they're Yeah, that's very possible. People will watch it. Very possible. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I mean, yeah, it was an interesting mix, yeah, where, where there were, right, there were people on the ground, and then there were other people at those outlets who seemed to have online access who were watching, like, that was, seemed to be the way, like, that the, a lot of outlets did it, was that they sort of sure. picked a, a person to be on the ground, or uh-huh. t- a person or two to be on the ground, and then, instead of sending the whole yeah contingent of their outlet, they had a bunch of people who had online access also. Yeah. Um, I think... I don't know. It it seemed to me it seemed like a weird vibe to me of just like the the like we're gonna do like eighty percent of it is gonna be online, and some of it is gonna be in person. It's like it just makes the buzz weird because then some people are talking about a movie, and then you're like, but can I watch that? Yeah. Maybe it it's just like. I guess I sort of appreciate of trying to reach across all the I... aisles, but I feel like it's just like it, it's just like diminishing whatever power of eyeball and attention any movie gets at it a festival. I agree, and then I also am like, I understand that people really appreciate this online element. I wonder how much longer they will remain this committed to it. I was thinking about this the other day, just thinking about how, like, Berlin basically stopped after 2021. Well, Berlin, like, never any... wanted to do it. And that was, like, they the, know, yeah, the they public want... was sure. never involved in that. Uh, but, like, well, New sure. York yeah, 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 was, like, true. initially saying in 2021, like, oh, yeah, we'll have some stuff online. And then they were, like, eh, never mind. Uh, TIFF still does a little TIFF bit. TIFF does a little bit. Um... But yeah. yeah, I mean, also like the the price point, I feel like yeah. might uh, make it to where it's a thing where it's like people actively seeking out the thing rather than it just being someone like throwing it on or whatever. Yeah, like, and also like to it I, that I think supports it. Yeah, and like in the past, they the past two years that they've done the online, they had like promo codes for people under 25 or something like that that sure yeah did not exist this year it's like it's not it's not remaining particularly accessible i don't think i don't know i mean i it's fine i I don't i'm not gonna say they shouldn't do it i don't I, i wouldn't necessarily consider it to be a rousing success this year no I don't know what you're basing that um, off of, other than just like vague vibes that I don't know where they're coming from. Like it's just like I, I mean, but any any criticism of it is going to be based on vague vibes. Like what I don't know. Like I'm sure they have some number that they can pull up on the back end. It's like the most viewed movies ever at Sundance. I'm just saying, yeah. just like from what I can comment on my end, like I had a hard time just like picking stuff out and figuring out like what people who was there, what people liked like yeah. what sort of things had any attention on it and the thing is that like at first when i first was feeling these things about sundance i was like maybe this is just my thing sort of against like the sort of online film festival and just like mm-hmm. not knowing if people if that is a thing that has ever done well but then as we'll talk about later i paid for slam dance and i have 
sort of turned my stance on <laughs> online film festivals because I did really like that. So I was just like, I think the like weird half and half of Sundance is just a thing that yeah I do not know about. Yeah. I yeah I mean I it seems like it went well like I know I know a lot of people who like I have seen a lot of people talking about stuff I've there's there, I feel like there's been like buzz about a lot of different movies from there I've seen like mm-hmm. you know there people are doing their typical write ups and stuff but I do feel like there's been like people have been like oh yeah I've seen that like I I think that one is good like I don't know I feel I I like the approach I like the accessibility of it I really think that it is. Like, it's great that I could watch a bunch of movies in, in my home for, you know, uh, for, yeah. for for a week while uh, there was, like, news of, like, who was going to potentially buy them happening and, like, all that sort of stuff. Like, I don't know. I think I think it's I think it's it's a really valuable thing. I think especially the way Sundance is positioned as, like, the Discovery Festival, right? The festival where you are trying to, like, where they're, like doing way more than a lot of other people to, like, reach out to a diverse set of filmmakers and make sure that they have, like, first-time people and, and all that sort of stuff uh, to a much greater extent than other festivals. I think that um, it, it, that having that available online really, like, does can help something catch word of mouth. And, um... Uh, why is this? Okay, sorry. My, my, um, my garage band was giving me uh, a warning about something. Uh, but anyway, your take was too yeah, hot. Yeah, that's right. I'm, 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 I'm yelling. I'm, I'm sorry. You're, I'll calm down. You're being too reasonable. It said. Sure, that's what it is. Yeah. What if, what if I set up all my technical equipment to like really reassure me that like my opinions are great and like I'm doing a great job or whatever? <laughs> um, I was that insecure. I would like to see how what approach you would take at making that happen. Uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, hey, anyway. you could write a play about it and get a Sloan grant, I bet. That's right. Yes, that's right. I did look it up, and they do include math. Great. You're golden, <laughs> Jesse. Yep. <laughs> um, Andy, it's your favorite festival of the year. I mean, listen. The, the People's Festival, only $700 a movie. <laughs> All right. Um... So the first film I watched was Fancy Dance, <laughs> um, which uh, I, I mentioned, I think, a little bit last week, because I had watched it when we recorded our, our Slam Dance uh, reaction uh, episode. Uh, this is a movie stars Lily Gladstone, and it's about, um, she, you know, it's 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 her and her, like, it, she plays a, a, a Native American woman living in, I think, Oklahoma, uh, and she, it's her and her... Um, uh, her 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 niece um, are living together. Her the her niece's mother has gone missing recently, and they're like searching to try to find her. Um, and uh, there becomes comes to be like a, a custody issue with the niece, where she's not at first like child protective services says she's not allowed to live with Lily Gladstone because Lily Gladstone has some like drug stuff in her history or like there's like um, legal stuff. And so she gets placed with uh, her her grandfather played and his and his wife. Uh, he's played by Shea Wiggum, um, and uh, they're like the niece and Lily Gladstone are going to a powwow uh, when where like Lily Gladstone keeps saying like oh your mother will be there she never misses it or whatever um, and it it becomes this whole thing about like 
the family family connections and 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 you know there's like notably there's a a supreme court case that i believe is pending release right now that it like has to do with um custody of of indigenous kids and and where you know how how important it is that they be placed with indigenous families and and and, and their indigenous family versus like other people who may be more like in the normal chain of custody like it goes to to that person but it should be like that is like a, a pending mm-hmm. live issue in like mm-hmm. the world today so it d- gets into a lot of that and really to like it in the Q&A afterwards she talked the director talked about how it was um built around um this idea of like this word in um the the this particular native language that they were speaking which i'm sorry i didn't write down and i don't remember specifically which one it was but um and and she said like only like you know it's a it's a, almost a dead language there's not a lot of people who speak it but the word for mother and the word for aunt like the word for aunt tech like literally translates to like little mother like another mother of of hers and so she was very moved by that idea and wanted to sort of explore that in the film and i think that plays off very well and very strongly um lily gladstone's really excellent it's it's very exciting there's you know there's some there's some uh high energy stuff in there and i do think like yeah it's just like it it has like the nice like structure of like the the some of the travelogue and and like there's like a lot of incident i think it's it's like well plotted uh in in order to hang a lot of this like thematic stuff on it and so i really liked that i really thought gladstone was excellent it was a great way for me to start off my festival um then i saw fair play which uh has uh, been buzzed about mostly because it got sold to Netflix for twenty million dollars. Yeah. Um, it stars um, Alden Ehrenreich and uh, Phoebe something from Bridgerton. Diviner. Diviner. Yes. Been in the news. I had. I you're right. I had never heard of her. I was like, I no. Who who is this unknown? Who they've gotten? She dated Pete Davidson. Okay. Great. <laughs> She was on Bridgerton. <laughs> uh, she's not going to be on Bridgerton anymore, though. I heard, I I I understand. No. Um, her career's yeah, too big. Yeah, she's, she's selling twenty million dollar ne- movies to Netflix. Yeah, she gets to see a slice of that. <laughs> I she, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, she's getting one of the twenty. <laughs> wow, a full one, a clean one. That's, that's my thought. We'll wow. See. Feel um, free to confirm or deny. Uh, other nineteen are going to all in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, he was Han Solo. Of course, he's got to get his, his his nineteen. He was Han Solo. <laughs> he was. I feel like Han even Solo. he would he would rather you forget that. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> what a smudge on everyone's record. <laughs> well, not everyone. Even for Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, this is I was not as into this one. It's um it's like a like a uh it, it is set in a milieu that I enjoy in film a lot, which is like it's like a finance world sort of uh erotic thriller sort of like happening. Money? Uh yeah, I mean, you know, I obviously like I think I would be so miserable working in finance in <laughs> like I think it would be the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But I do really like the way that like all those computer terminals look on a movies on a on like a movie screen. Like I think it's Andy just spends all his time watching boiler room clips on YouTube. <laughs> you know. Um but yeah, so there like so what happens in this is Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe whatever her last name is, uh are um 
they're they're secretly dating. They both work at like a high, like a, a top phone, a top yeah. finance office or whatever. Uh, and she gets a promotion that he is sort of expecting to get. Um, and so that really like fucks up their the power dynamics of their relationship. And he like tries to act like he's happy for her and that everything is fine. And like it's sort of is the slow burn of like everything's not fine. And he's actually really like messed up about this and uh, can't actually be happy for her. Uh, and it's sort of ex- exploring that. Um, they have a lot of sex, uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a, it, it really, a lot of butts, not a lot of butts. No, it's not a lot of nudity. I don't think, um, I don't recall. Well, I mean, it's been I'm a week since I've seen it. So get it. The yeah. fuck <laughs> next one. Next, next. <laughs> <laughs> this one gets the next award. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it, I think it like, it has, it's a real, like, oh, you you came in with the ending in mind with this one and, like, really, like, had, like, <laughs> had, like, an, an, an image. They worked their way backwards. Yeah, so. back in the Christie style. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Like, it feels a little contrived to get it to that point, I, in my opinion. Uh, I guess it's okay. Like, the ending is sort of interesting. I think it sort of works, but it's like a little bit like yeah, okay, like I yeah, I see how you constructed this to have this happen. Uh, not my favorite. Yeah, uh, I mean, listen, so you maybe this twenty million dollars for. I it? was gonna say maybe this is part of where my vibe is that there's always like the phenomenon of like a, the movie that like sells big at Sundance and then like six oh, months later it comes out and no one cares about it. And like this one it very much felt like that happened in real time where like it premiered sure. in Utah. People were like, right. Oh, this is kinda good. It sold for twenty million dollars to Netflix and then a bunch of people saw it online over the weekend and I truly do not feel like I know a single person who saw it online and liked it. Sure. Yeah. Well, to move on to a positive note, my favorite movie of the festival, the one that was uh, made just for me, uh, Theater Camp, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, the aforementioned. Cullen's very excited to hear me finally get to talk about Theater Camp. Um, And listen, this is is the opposite of that, where I am like, oh, I feel like the people who saw this movie online were all like, oh, this is pretty good. Even people who are like, this is not my thing, but it does pretty much work and there's fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, so you know it. So theater camp, it's uh, Molly Gordon and um, we love. Uh, her. I forget the other name of the director, uh, the other director who's not in it. But so Is it it's, it's her and him, and then Ben Platt and Noah Galvin, who are uh, romantic partners. Um, all, and like Molly Gordon and I guess Ben Platt were like did go to theater camp together uh, as Nick Nick Lieberman. Lieberman. I was you. right. Wow, good job, Jesse. Uh, they, they all, they, I guess they made a short fairly recently that I haven't seen, but then they have developed it into this feature and it's set in like a, a cat, a, a theater camp in the Adirondacks, um, uh, much like probably French Woods, famously the famous, uh, theater camp in New York, upstate New York, um, that, um, uh, where the owner who's played by Amy Sedaris like, goes into a coma in the first, like, five minutes of the movie, although she does get some good stuff before then. Uh, she's at um, a production... She's going to, like... She's, like, scouting, like, 
uh, one of the kids from the Sack Lunch Bunch uh, in a in a production of uh, Bye Bye Birdie where he's playing Conrad Birdie and, like, doing Honestly Sincere, and then, like, she, like, goes into a coma in the middle of it, which is really funny if you know what that number is about, which is about, you know, teen girls fainting. Um, but, and so then, like, her 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 son, played by Jimmy Tatro, who's, like, a... a yeah, he's like a he's like a business aspiring business like lifestyle guy like who's like wants to be like in in with like the cool like business YouTubers or whatever. Uh, he um, he takes over the camp and is like having to run it as a business while um, Ben Platt and Molly Gordon are like in charge of acting and uh, and singing instruction. And also they are constructing their the original musical that they do every year. Um, you have uh, Nathan Lee Graham is really good as, like, the dance teacher. Uh, Noah Galvin plays the, like, tech guru um, who, like, is in charge of all the technical aspects of everything. Um, uh, Patty Harrison is in it as, like, uh, an outside uh, business uh, person who's, like, represents the camp, the, the snooty camp next door. Who potentially she wants to buy all the of land? Her money because yeah. uh, she got stuck in the Charlie Brown peanuts uh, Macy's Day balloon, and she can't stop well, drinking yeah, wine. Sure. So she has she has a lot of stuff with Jimmy Chatro, and they have a fun dynamic with each other. Um, uh, yeah, I mean it's like a really killer cast. I think it's got just so many really great uh, lines in it. Um, they, um, they're really, like, it's just really funny, I think. It's shot sort of, mm-hmm. like, it really, it's, it's, there's, the, the overarching premise is that, like, they're, they're making a documentary about this summer at this camp, I guess, but it's, like, very lightly mockumentary mm-hmm. style. It is, like, very grainy. It's shot, it seems like it's shot maybe on, like, 60mm, 35mm film, maybe. Um, it's, the sound quality is also really interesting. It's, like, really not a contemporary sound mix. I'm not, I don't have the technical language to sort of identify what it is exactly that they're doing, but I think the sound is really interesting and it really does. Like, it just really makes me laugh a lot the whole way through. I think I, I, people have been saying it does dip in the middle, which I guess I, I do agree a little bit that there's like a little bit of a lull, but it really does bring it together for like the performance of the original musical at the end. It has like a big rousing number where, it's like set up as a joke earlier and then it becomes real and it made me cry. Like the, it's got all the stuff that you want from something like this. I really loved it a lot. I was like sitting at home laughing out loud a lot, which is like, you know, not the most common thing in the world. Um, and so it's true what I heard that there was a little lull, but a lot of lulls. Yeah. You, your sources are not bad, Cullen. Um, the and and yeah and i'm really excited like it was picked up by searchlight uh, er, before it premiered i believe right wasn't it <laughs> whoa inside scoop <laughs> <laughs> okay uh and they similarly paid like a good amount of money but they're planning on doing a theatrical rollout for it we talked about right. this i think a little bit last week i think so um yeah and i think it will be fun to like go see with an audience i think it's you know if you can find like a good screening where where there's going to be a crowd I had a I had a really good time with it, and I think you will too. Uh, although you will miss that the the Sundance Q and A that they put on every the Q and As this year were just like the film Q and As from the first screenings or whatever on the online ones, and mm-hmm. instead of like a fifteen minute Q and A, they did like a, they brought a bunch of the kids up and had them do a number for five minutes and then did ten minutes sure. of Q and A at the end, and that was very adorable. Um, 
yeah, so that's Theater Camp. Um, Look forward to us talking about it at next year's awards right. when Andy makes us all watch it. <laughs> um, uh, Bad Press is the doc that I saw. Um, this is also, it's, it's set uh, in uh, Muskogee Creek, uh, Indian Territory in, in Oklahoma, and it's um, it's the story. So apparently, you know, in, in, in the uh, the docs that teach you something realm of things, uh, many uh, indigenous uh, communities, their constitutions do not provide for a free press necessarily. And this is like a big, like, uh, the uh, very often, like, the tribal government and the tribal leaders have a lot more control over press access than, you know... The rest of the U.S., which has, you know, a free a free press built into our mm-hmm. the U.S. Constitution, so it's it's about uh, this specific newspaper or um, like news outlet that is and and also the battle at the so the tribal council like removes some law that like what that that was on the books that guaranteed press access and independent press, and then there's like a whole fight to get like a constitutional amendment. Uh, into it and i think it's like it's an interesting story it's like a it is an interesting angle on that on that issue right because Mm -hmm. like it is like because it's able to be like a live like election issue in a way that it isn't in like the the united the the rest of the united states i think it's like an interesting way to examine like what does it mean to have a free press and like what is Mm -hmm. what does that get for us and and like why is that actually a value that we should or should you know spoiler it comes out on we should have the value of having that um why is that a value that we should have and i think like it tells that story interestingly you also are like tracking the like the 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 election for chief and who's gonna win that and that sort of so there's like that side like my like you know my the, the the side of me that loves to watch msnbc on election night and see the returns come in had 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 stuff that i really enjoyed in it um, but it's like not, you know, it's obviously it's more substantial than than that. But uh, that, you know, there's just but you some know, of that movie that you can recommend to your grandma sounds like sure, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of like swear, like the the main character, she she swears a lot. So if your grandma doesn't like swearing, just to be aware of that. But I yeah, think but if you've got an MSNBC grandma, you're probably okay. Sure, right? Yes, she's probably at least okay. Sure, with it. yes, yeah. yeah. I think it's I think it's uh it's, I think it's good. Um. Just a few more. I'm so, I'm sorry, listeners, if I'm no 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 you did too much. Um, a little cat prayer wants to come here. Ooh, uh, love an audio cat. Um, uh, a little prayer. So this is the um, uh, who who directed um, uh, it's Angus something Angus, I forget his last name. Thank I'll find you. It for you. Who directed uh, Junebug, which I haven't seen. I should check right. it out. Um, cause I do like Amy Adams. Uh, this is, uh, uh, a feature of his, so it stars Jane Le- Angus, Angus McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, uh, he, he, it stars Jane Levy, uh, from, uh, of course, Suburgatory and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Um, uh, the only podcast you'll hear where Suburgatory will come before Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Suburgatory was a great show. Underrated. I, I don't Dyer doubt it. No comment. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, everyone was like, it's weird that Jane Levy and Jeremy Sisto seem like they want to fuck because they're father and daughter. Um, uh, the, and also just David Strathairn, um, is the, is the other big star. From Temple Grandin. 
Yeah? Are you a big Temple Grandin fan, Cullen? No, but I just <laughs> watched a YouTube clip where he was nominated for Golden Globe and uh, Chris Colfer from Glee beat him. And it's just funny that they're in the same category. Right, supporting those supporting TV. categories where they just shove everyone in TV together is really, yeah. really funny. It was like them and Eric Stone Street. <laughs> like, what are we, what are we doing? What are we, how are we even comparing these things? Uh, <laughs> God. Um, so Sorry. that's okay. Yeah. So they live in, I think it's North Carolina is I think where they live. Um, uh, Jane Levy's Jane Levy lives on with her husband on David Strathairn and his wife's property. Uh, Celia Weston plays the, his, his, uh, David Strathairn's wife. They live like in a little house, like in their backyard. Uh, and, um, David Strathairn owns like a manufacturing plant and his son works for him. Uh, and it's, um, there's the, there's like a lot of like relationship stuff with um, examining like a father-in-law daughter-in-law relationship, which is like an interesting relationship that you don't necessarily see explored a ton in in like arts and literature. I feel like uh, they have a really nice relationship. Um, there's all sorts of stuff with like uh, her um, uh, her husband uh, who is like going through some stuff and has some past troubles and it's like the like politeness thing of like they will they won't they won't really talk about it with each other and like is he having an affair or is he not like all this stuff um it goes into some like to some real place like some some real like some real stuff's in this movie i think and it's like um but it still manages to be pretty light and and like breezy until it sort of gets there towards the end and then you're like wow there's like some heavy stuff in here um, I think it's, I think it's nice. It's, like, nice to see them sort of connect with each other. I do think the performances are good. Anna Camp plays, like, their other daughter who, like, comes to town because she's, like, her husband is no good and she's like, brings her, her daughter. And that performance, I think, doesn't entirely work for me. It's very big. It's very, like, she, like, she's a mess. She, like, can't get her life together sort of thing. And, like, that's a character I feel like I've seen a bunch that, like, didn't necessarily feel like super interesting in this one but um but i did like it a lot i think the performances are very good i do think like yeah the, the thematic place it gets to is really good uh and interesting um yeah i think that it's it's, it's a nice nice little movie um the starling girl um is uh the next thing i saw the second to last thing i saw uh this is of course um eliza scanlon uh, up and coming actress. Uh, she's uh, of course well known from Little Women. Little Women. Uh, she was old in... baby teeth. Yep. Uh, she was in um, uh, the Amy Adams HBO show. Sharp Sharp Object. Thank you. Um. Uh. And so she plays. So she's like uh, a, an older teenager in who's being raised in like a fundamentalist like Christian church. Um. Her. Um. Uh, Mother is played by Ren Schmidt, who's fast becoming a favorite, who was in Nope uh, and uh, is on For All Mankind. Uh, and I like I like her a lot. I think she's really good in this movie. Um, and then her father is, of course, uh, played by um, Jimmy Simpson. So, you know, that's trouble right from the moment he's on screen. Um, uh, and so she uh, she is sort of she she does like this, like praise dance group at her church and like they're like really hardcore like someone comes up to her afterwards and is like 
actually like the bra you chose to wear we can sort of see the outline of a little bit in your dress this morning and like it's like shaming them for that and like that sort like it's like really like serious like serious christian stuff um and so she uh starts to form a connection with the hot young like youth minister who is the the preacher's son who has just come back from like some mission in puerto rico uh, and, like, is doing, like, crazy exercises where they have to lay down on the ground or whatever. And so she starts to form a connection with him. She's, of course, like, they're they're trying to set up a merit, like, some sort of, like, romantic marriage, like, arranged marriage relationship with her and another young boy who's more her age, who she doesn't really have a connection with. But she really starts to pursue aggressively the, um, the, the youth minister, uh, who, of, of course, has, like, a, a girlfriend who he has lived with and as much as... It is an inappropriate relationship. He is far too old to be in a relationship with her. Um, and it sort of is the fallout of all that, of what how their relationship develops, how they are connecting with each other, what they're doing, and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So it re- that's it's another one where it's like, it gets pretty heavy pretty quickly. Um, it's I think the performances are solid. Um, uh, there is a, like, a lot of stuff with the family. I think uh, Scanlan is very good. I do think it's worth a watch. I don't know if it's super is going to stick with me, but I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in it, and I think it's pretty solid. Um, and then final, the final movie I talked about, actually, we can now have a little bit of a discussion of, because uh, Emilio also saw it, uh, and that is uh, All Dirt Road's Taste of Salt, um, which uh, is, I know Barry Jenkins was on board as a producer, which is, I think is part of why it caught so many people's attention mm-hmm. before the festival. I mean, you know, also and I, just being A24. It also came in with a. It also came in with A24. Yeah. That's right. Yes, yeah. it is an A24 movie. Um, I I had no idea what to expect about the style of this one, and it really did catch me off guard with it. Uh, it is like very impressionistic, and it's like, it's it is really like, it's capturing very small moments over many different points in time. It is not linear at all, and it is often, like, the camera is often, like, not interested in capturing, like, the performances fully and focusing it on, like, like, you don't see the faces often for long stretches of scenes and things like that. And it's, like, focusing in on long, steady shots on, like, people's, like, arms or their hands or, like, people, like, handling a fish or what, like, it's, like, a very, like, you can tell it's a real, like, memory piece of, like, I'm trying to evoke, like the the feeling of this time in this place and this family through like many sensory uh approaches that are and and I'm not worried as much about telling like a clear linear story and like that's like obviously like what they're going for uh I'm not entirely sure how effective it was for me uh as you know as someone who does tend to like track things through character and story often like, I, I felt a little bit lost a lot of the time. I think it's also, this is one that does suffer from the at-home experience where you are, like, it's, like, it, it's it's easy to tell yourself that, like, oh, this isn't essential. I can, like, check my Twitter feed or whatever during this moment um, when it is that style, which, like, of course, like, completely ruins the, like, the the effect of it is going for you. So, I, you know, I tried to be as good as possible, but it, it was a little bit of a challenge. Um, I know, Amelia, you also had mixed feelings about it as well, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I mean, I basically agree. It's just, like, it's too broken up 
to the point where it's like I understand the intent and in trying to make it sort of like a piece about texture and like the just try to communicate like a, a feeling of a place in time and I guess different times right. more than places. But I feel like it, it it ends up I think doing the opposite where it just makes every moment seem more generic than personal mm-hmm. because instead it just seems like communicating just like experiences that end up seeming very basic by how much time you're allotting them because i was thinking about it in comparison with other things that are maybe narrative light like slow cinema e-movies mm-hmm. like Simon long and stuff like that but the thing about those movies like like a, a sort of a peach at pong or like Simon long thing is that it's kind of the opposite it's sort of just like asking you to stay in one place for a very right. long time and you can sort of get like Attack, like the sense of a person and their reaction to the world and how the, those things affect them through that style and this is sort of doing the opposite where it's just like it's bouncing so quickly that I never got really got a sense for any of the people and it's like as much as like it's beautifully shot and the experience yeah. and it's like occasionally you can get like some very moving uses of cinematography and movement I do feel like it's like it's it, it like missing a spine, I think, mm-hmm. that I that might be necessary. It's like I appreciate the intent, but I and I don't really know how you can really like sort of solve like what its issues are with what it's trying to do. But I it uh, didn't fully work for me. I like what I like what I wrote in Letterbox. Like it is a debut. And it's right. like, even though it has, like, Barry Jenkins' A24 backing, I feel like if you watch it under the lens of it being a debut, I'm like, yeah, this is a, clearly a very talented filmmaker, right. and I'm excited to see what she does next with, like, maybe something more with more of a spine, maybe something adapted. It, it, it was also weird, because I, maybe I'll talk about this in a special presentation, because I was reading Toni Morrison's Jazz, I finished this week, which is sort of a similar thing where it's a novel where it's like, here is an event and I'm going to go like backwards and forwards and like go to different perspectives to talk, to like sort of communicate how all these people feel about these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, maybe it did suffer in comparison to like have ha- just having read something that maybe had a similar approach. But I think, like, that sort of approach is probably more successful in a novel. But I was like, maybe she could do something with that sort of a story of, like, something that maybe burrows deeper into, like, people. And then the other ha- the other side of it that I had was, like, I feel like if it was, a, like, a documentary, I feel like you can do something that, like, fragmented mm-hmm. because there's just, like, an inherent... There's just something inherently more compelling about capturing pieces of a person's life if you can, like... I guess sort of feel the reality where it's like in a movie like this, I did at one point get the feeling of just like, you can almost feel like a person saying like action before every sort of time they cut to like a new fragment. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like anybody is living in between these moments, which I think hurts the movie. That's true. You know, yeah. I, was, I was just reading a, uh, a quote from Mia Hansen Love where she was like specifically trying about how she like does the opposite of like, making sure that each scene feels like it was going on uh, before it starts in the movie and keeps going after it cuts, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, like, having that feeling, like, 
I think that is sometimes how memory works is like you don't remember like, uh-huh. like it doesn't it feels like it was just this like one crystallized moment or whatever where there wasn't anything before or after that was like it notable does or, or, but like but, the but like I don't know it's interesting blurry. to capture that on film and to translate that to film right I think. exactly um, like the the edges are blurry in a way that film just like cannot or not cannot but you can't capture it with a cut anyway right yeah. It's, like, gorgeous. I it does, like. it, yeah, it's it like, looks incredible, yeah. It's, like, there's, like, a certain context where I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is worth watching. I feel like, yeah, I sort of agree with Andy also that, like, in a theater, it probably right. just, like, hits a little more and you're, like, a little more synced into it. Yes. Though I was, like, fairly synced into it for a while mm-hmm. and even then I was, like, feeling what I was feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, like, heard enough positive about it where it is, like, if it is playing in a theater near me, I probably will try to go see it. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's all all I got as far as uh, Sundance movies. I uh, hope that was enough for folks. I uh, I had a yeah, good time. Like I didn't like I, I didn't like hate anything. Like you like fa- fair play was probably the worst thing I saw, and like that certainly had interesting aspects and was like worth digging into. I think, but like you know, I I I, I was I was very happy with like the range of stuff I got. I you know I think I very easily saw like majority female directed films or at least co-directed mm-hmm. film like there's like all the all the stuff that Sundance mm-hmm. does that makes it like easy to 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 right. to, to seek out like a wide perspective mm-hmm. on of of films I think is like was really evident in in my in my in my Sundance this year. Yeah, I guess I I, I watched a thing that only I watched, and then we, there's another Sundance thing that. Me, Jesse, and Colin watch. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, we'll do the I geology watch. corner in a moment, but yeah, your thing first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched La Pesera, which is like a uh, the fishbowl <laughs> in English. It, it's a uh, which is a Puerto Rican film which deals with this woman who is like living in San Juan in like in like the capital who gets a cancer diagnosis that she is a. Uh, I forget what it, like in like it, it's meta- her cancer has metastasized uh-huh. and so she either needs to seek more like or harsher treatment or like she needs to accept that she doesn't have a lot of time left so she goes back to her hometown which is Vieques which is like a small island in the corner of Puerto Rico with where she like disappears too so she can get away from all like the people in her life normally and but they also go back to her like her family and her friends that she had back Mm -hmm. when she was growing up there and also help with documenting some of the stuff that has gone on in Vieques which is like for for a long time Vieques was like a place where the U.S. military and the U.S. Navy used to test bombs which has left a lot of areas and uh, of it very full of like mines that need that have still not been like cleared out or like has left like corners as beaches like irradiated so it has like a 33% higher cancer rate than the rest of Puerto Rico due to that and like there is some implication that there is some connection between that and the cancer she has gotten and i thought it was pretty good i you know, obviously, I have a level of connection to it that other people might not have, but it's. I thought like it was pretty like 
small, well acted. There's some nice underwater footage because like a lot of like the back half of the movie centers on them going underwater to get shots of like like blown out tanks and just like bombshells that were left on beaches. That I then found out that like some of it was like shot shot in my hometown, which is very funny. Wow. Uh and yeah, I liked it. Uh we this episode at the end or like in the middle, I guess I don't know when we're throwing it in, but we'll have an interview with the director of the film, which I was glad to do. And now Geology Corner? I think so. We can talk about it. Yeah. Deborah Colin? Stratman's Last mm-hmm. Things, part of New Frontier? Yeah, which well, I, I did see one other thing, and we'll try to catch the third thing, and maybe have yeah. something on that next week, but yes. Um, It's a, you know, experimental essay film about uh, the history of the world and science fiction told through rocks. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Yeah. It's, really it's so good. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's like, I guess it's like the sort of experimental avant-garde thing that's sort of hard to talk about, but it's, uh, it's like very beautiful and like moving while also being like very scientific and cold at the same time in a weird way. I would describe it as like post-human almost, like you get this view, like it almost ends up having this like thesis that you get of just like. Maybe after we're all dead, like, the rocks and, like, the trees and yeah. shit will be alive. They'll and, hang out. And so there will be life on Earth yeah. after mm-hmm. we're gone. And there's, like, some level of beauty and comfort in that. Yeah, I mean, maybe one thing yeah. to say for it is that, like, it is something that, like, hearing it, you would think, like, ooh, that's gonna be tough to deal with uh, in the online environment. And I did not find that to be the case at no. all. And maybe part of that is that it is quite short it's what like 50 minutes but i was i like never uh i guess i wouldn't say i didn't find my mind wandering but i didn't feel the temptation to like uh physically or visually wander away from the film it was a a pleasant wandering uh that would happen uh i mean yeah i I think i do i do wonder if the festival uh, was showing film prints of it, or a film print of it. it was cl- I would imagine yeah. it looked like it was shot on sixteen. Uh, like even the the still images appeared to have been yes. shot uh, on a f- reel of film. Uh, but it's like the way that it is told. Cause there's like a pseudo plot line uh-huh. of this like repurposed science fiction um, from like. France in the 1910s, uh, I wish I had written this down, uh, but it, 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 like, uses, um, all the stuff about, like, the, um, like, ferromagnets and all the, like, uh, these, uh, rock-like creatures that are, uh, taking over the world, um, is the science fiction from, uh, France, and then it like uses that. It uses like theory about um, like geology. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book, because um, it does have like you know the citation at the end. Yes. Um, uh, the writing of stones uh, by Roger Calebaugh. Not sure how you pronounce that last name, but there's just like 
Emilio's saying all these gorgeous images. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like this microscopic footage of, uh, you know, like different types of rocks, different types of like minerals, and the way that like she captures everything. Because even uh, I had seen uh, one of her films. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to not be in order, here, I always get the. It, I believe it's in order not to be here. Yeah, great movie. Yeah, it's so good, but it is just like, um, an examination of like modern at the time. Uh, I think it was like two thousand two. Yes. Um, the modern like, uh, uh, like capitalistic suburban American society through all, like, surveillance and, like, CCTV footage. I think I even talked about it when I watched it. Um, but in this, it is, like, sort of... Uh, and if you look at her other movies, they're also set... Um, or, like, about modern things. Like, there's one about, um, like, uh, uh, drag racing in Chicago and, like, sort of... Uh, she has, like, other sort of nature, yeah, she's done, natural... she's done a lot of uh, stuff. I know she did something that, uh, maybe even her most recent movie was, like, comprised of footage that had been shot by Barbara Hammer, uh, that I think she put together shortly after Barbara Hammer but, passed away. But it's just, I mean, it, it truly, it feels so fresh. Like, you're saying, like, maybe on its face it's not something that is an easy sell of, like, this docu- mm-hmm. avant-garde documentary about rocks or whatever... But it, it just is so exciting. Um, it scratches, like, every itch that I had <laughs> when I was watching it and is exactly the type of thing that I'm, like, always wanting to watch yeah. more. Where it is, mm-hmm. like, admittedly, I am, like, very uh, easily, like, keys jingling in front of me. Like, if, it, if something looks very good, that is, like, almost enough. And this... It looks so good, but then also all of its ideas, I think, are so exciting. Yeah. All of what she is, like, saying is so interesting to me. The uh, the way that it does intersperse the science fiction over, like, real labs of, uh, you know, uh, geologists working. And, like, uh, the algorithm is working. I've been getting a ton of uh, recommendations of geological YouTube shorts, uh, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. different things like that but it is just uh they have like these you, you, people are comparing it to like 2001 there's like these um shots of just the rock themselves and like these crystals mm-hmm. uh and it, it's just there's too much going on but it is like <laughs> for me to like pinpoint down the one thing that is like a cell but it it, it really just is one of those things that i watched and i'm just like jaw on the floor eyes wide completely like can't believe this is a movie like that I like that this is like something new truly and it feels so exciting to see yeah uh I mean I I, I can maybe then just talk briefly about the other uh one of the new frontier movies I saw which is I it, it's a pretty similar movie though not one that I responded to quite as much also like a very uh essay film one that tells some of its parts through narration there's like there's more like live footage of people doing things in uh, a common sequence than in last things 
uh, which is directed by Mary Helena Clark and Mike Gibbiser, uh, and is also kind of a science movie, uh, and also kind of a post-humanist movie, uh, in this case kind of drawing parallels between uh, genetic sequencing and, uh, speaking of the algorithms, uh, machine learning and robotics. Uh, and yeah, I am just, it, it is also longer and, like, I, I still mostly it kept my attention, but it did feel a little longer. Um, but yeah, I am just, like, more things that are interesting. I kind of, because it is, like, a little less abstract, there were points at which I was kind of like, if you're already including all this text, I do was sometimes wishing, like, you could maybe, there, there's things that could be dug into a little more, like, I can... I can see the connections that are being made, and in some ways I appreciate being uh, given some space to, like, think about those connections on my own, and then there's also times where I was like, I feel like you could dig into uh, what's being said here uh, and just, like, add a little bit more uh, criticality to the film. Uh, but it's another movie that, like, I like and would recommend seeing if you have a chance. Uh, is that, is that a wrap on Sundance? Is that at all least for, for Sundance? Now? That's all I there have. Maybe a little more next week. Right, 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 yeah. I watched, like, half of Common Sequence. I need to finish it. Yeah. Now, uh, for the balance of, uh, Slam Dance? Yeah. Uh. I didn't see anything else at Slam Dance, because... <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. I was watching uh, seven Sundance movies, but please go. Uh-huh. Someone, someone discuss something. I mean, I don't know. I'll just. Uh, I'll, you... I, I can start. Sure. I, I can start by saying I watched Cash Cow, which uh-huh. uh, you two talked about last week. I was. I think I was less into it than either of you. Or just like, I think. I. I mean, I. I tr- I'm trying not to be harsh with it, but I just. I just don't think I found it that funny for most of it until. When he starts working at Domino's, <laughs> I was like, okay, that this is when I, I, I finally uh-huh. like am vibing with it completely. And I sure. sort of found more of that joy in the back half. But, uh, you know, it's like a, a fun, interesting thing. I'm like glad he made it. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can talk about some shorts. I know one that was uh, recommended to me both by you uh, and by friend of the show, uh, Jack Reed was, uh, Hot Dogs, which is really just, uh, wonderful, a movie about it. I mean, I feel like you, you were like, oh, this feels like really your sense of humor, and I am like, I guess it is funny, but I am more just like, oh, this is like very good and moving and interesting storytelling, uh, about, uh, a guy who runs a hot dog stand and, uh, runs afoul of various societal forces and is, uh, in many ways kept from happiness, but, uh, you know, still has hot dogs. I, it's just really great. It's a, it's, it's animated. It looks really cool. It's voiced by, the main voice is done by, uh, the director, Frank Volk. Yeah. Um, I assume it was like, 
it's like a very like rough rotoscoping. If the, if yeah, that's, that energy. that's the impression I got. Like the the yeah. uh, actors are not just credited for their voices. I think, and like there are characters yeah. who do not speak who there are actors credited for. So yes, I I also was under the impression there was some rotoscoping going on. But yeah, it's like very yeah. sort of like uh, paintery and it's so good. Yeah, it's like it's just like very funny at the beginning, and then it's like sort of it like slowly takes a turn to becoming something a little moving. And yeah, then it sort of just like keeps that balance of just like being like a funny wild right. thing and like like it is like genuinely like kind of has something to say it yes and also like in the middle of like being very sad is like still able to be funny and like fully do both of those things simultaneously in a way where neither detracts from each other you know it makes it made me want to have hot dogs also. i mean hot dogs are great mm-hmm. but also you consider the labor. It makes you consider the labor that goes into hot sauce. Certainly, like manufacturing like them or dogs. just serving them. Just serving, serving them. them. Serving them mostly. Yeah. I guess it it, may, it like gets in uh, into the labor into manufacturing them a little. A little. But it's mostly the yeah. servers. I mean, the, the servers and the people the who the you know dogs. take the the finished uh, raw hot dogs and turn them into a a thing that you can eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's about the honor of the hot dog man. Yeah. You know, pushing his cart around. Sure. And the hot dog woman. I do, yeah. And Perhaps even more honorable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, yeah. Representation in hot dogs is very important. Uh, yeah, a lot of people think the hardest job in the world is being a mother. It's actually being a hot dog woman. <laughs> uh, perhaps the hardest job in the world is not being a hot dog woman. <laughs> yeah, resisting the temptation. <laughs> I mean, truly. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse's gonna run off and join the hot dog people. It's possible. It makes an art. Uh, I, I mean, it doesn't make necessarily that make that look like an appealing thing to do, I wouldn't say. But, you know, in the same way that anything is not appealing to do uh, under current capitalistic so conditions... Uh, I want to talk. Uh, I have I watched a couple shorts. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want I want to talk about like this short I really love called Addresses. It's, I wanted to uh, see that. I believe its original title is Direcciones uh-huh. because it's a Costa Rican like documentary short, and it's basically the short which is it's like about a very fascinating topic that I think it like manages to like ring into something emotionally and like filmmakingly interesting also, which is about how like in Costa Rica there are no like street addresses basically so like anytime right. like a piece of mail comes in like the address line is is something like well if you're coming from like the direction of this church you need to like take two streets and then take a left here mm-hmm. and then you'll see a car a, a house with like a red car in front and it's basically this this filmmaker like interviewing like uh, like news like uh i mean delivery people and like people involved in like costa rican government and just like normal costa rican people about like their thoughts and feelings about like this sort of thing and it's very funny of just like them her talking to like the people who deliver fa- who like deliver the the mail and they're them being like 
yeah, we all the time we get something like, oh, there's a red car parked outside, and then we go and there's no red car parked outside, and then it turns out that there was just a car parked there for like two weeks, and now this person only describes their house as having a red car parked <laughs> outside, and it's just like <laughs> becomes very annoying to deliver. But then it it sort of presents this like opposite case, and it talks to like this person who used to be like a minister at like the Costa Rican government of just like the sort of emotional and like just like the soul of a country value of having a system like that where where people will describe things based on like a church that got torn down twenty years ago, and they're like, but there's still like the soul of that church mm-hmm. still lives on, mm-hmm. and like you develop like a more concrete feeling of the sort of place you live and the things around you and there's more of like an attachment to these sorts of things and you can get like a historical understanding of this pl- of the place you live in because of this sort of weird system of government and it sort of like talks about all those topics and balances both sides at, at, at multiple points in the documentary the, the she is like if you ask people in Costa Rica, 90% of them are like, we hate this. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, she does try to make the argument of just like the sort of emotional poetic value. Because right. mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. the, the great thing that the, the, the ex-culture like, minister said, where it's like they said they once held a contest to find like what is like the most poetic description of the place, of how to get to the place you live there is. And people talking about like, like the beat up old house and like the space where a house no longer remains right, stuff yeah. like that mm-hmm. that ended up getting written in the address section and just like how beautiful it can be to like have to come up with your own idea of where you mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. and i think it's like really it's like very interesting just like finding that stuff out it is also like emotionally like it gets you it has some interesting cinematography on it it's like something that i was not expecting to watch or like ever like come across and then i was just like instantly extremely taken by it yeah i mean that is one where like it just like i i really wanted to see that and it just like fell victim to the thing that always happens and just like part way through a digital festival it is just and like i agree that like slam dance was a really cool experience and then i still have the thing that always happens of this like stuff comes up and i stop having the bandwidth to see stuff that I really want to see. Yeah, the directors are Carlo Nice and Maria Luisa Santos, just to credit them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you... The, the other short I did watch, which I know you also saw, uh, is write a song about heartache directed by Johnny Look uh, and starring Whitmer Thomas, which, like, that is a real just, like, it's really funny. That's kind of it, but it is yeah. for thirteen I mean, minutes. With it is and plenty. Then, and then the credits revealed the other person who was like the co-star of it, and it was like, "Whoa, Mac DeMarco!" Which is oh, I missed scary. that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, the little worm is played by okay. Mac DeMarco. <laughs> Basically, the short is about like it's like this con- it's like this country singer played by Whitmer Thomas who's like trying to write songs to like get a contract like right. a record deal or whatever and he's like washed up and it's funny because he's writing this song he's like singing this song to like the record executive at the beginning in like a sort of like Lewin Davis style tone of just like him with a guitar mm-hmm. and it gets but then eventually it gets into all this weird things but I'm like and I'm stuck here in my right this is covered the thing of like you're like what is this song and then the record executive is like this is 
too abstract. You can't do this. And he's like, uh, and then you go home and see that it, he goes home and you see that it is in fact written very specifically about the situation being described in the song. Yeah, where it's like he has a little like green weird worm friend that lives yeah. in his drawer and can write music but can only sort of write music from his perspective. Yeah. So he talks about like the weird green body glue that he yeah. like uh like puts out and stuff yeah. and he's like frustrated by it because he just wants something relatable that he can sell a song about and he eventually accidentally hurts his friend. Yep. his little green friend mm-hmm. and that makes him just like write a song about pain which eventually yeah. gives him like more of a success yeah so it, the the short eventually just devolves into like him hurting the little green thing yeah. so it writes songs about pain yeah and just like the way that relationship evolves which is like funny and like the i was gonna say, it is an interesting thing about like it it retains the element of like the songs about pain are still very specific to being a little green worm, but it kind of, you gets to, like, you are allowed to be very, uh, speaking metaphor and, uh, abstraction when you're talking about pain and heartache. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, it's funny. It's yeah. like, it like sort of gets to, like, you sort of, like, see the point to it. Yeah. And you, it, there is, like, some to it and it's just like worth watching yeah yeah i guess that's the the only thing i would struggle with was slam lands and it's just like i don't know where any of these things yeah i mean like whitmer thomas but i think they're worth whitmer thomas was in a feature in the competition last year that i heard was good and i think still that movie is like maybe finally barely starting to resurface but yes it is like the one with uh clay tatum as well yes yeah uh, um, and like some of them, the Civil Dead. Yeah. Yes, the Civil Dead, and like some of them are movies that this. I, I think the ones that are maybe a little more likely to have a little more of a home are the ones that uh, have already kind of started moving. Like Cash Cow didn't premiere at Slam Dance; he started screening it uh, in New York late last year. So I would assume he will keep taking that movie around and like continues to have plans for it. And like Slam Dance was just like a step on the getting it out to people and obviously like uh, the first chance that uh anyone had you know anyone in the world had to see it but like i would imagine that movie will keep circulating in general i agree it is like these are the ones that these are movies that it's like i would love to be able to recommend these movies and like that's always true with shorts but yeah, yeah. I wish there was uh, a clearer mechanism for distribution of smaller films. You know, a few of them yeah. will pop up on movie in eighteen months. For sure. Just to get to like these three shorts really quickly, because mm-hmm. uh, I thought they were like all right, but they, you know, they were like inventive but all right. Uh, one of them is Jimmy Bowden. Did this short about like this guy that they're keeping in this like weird prison where they're forcing him to eat snacks and then eventually you find out that he's like the person who they are who they are are, like base serving sizes on so they're they're just like eat as many of these like goldfish crackers as you want and then they will like note it down but they're like keeping him in a weird torture prison that was like it's like a that's like the perfect example of a short that's like yeah for like 10 for like 10 seconds this is like pretty funny and then you're like i get it but it's like 
interesting. Mm-hmm. There was a short called Moomin, which is like this weird like documentary thing about like early pandemic. A guy who had like a guy who like lived in LA but had a girlfriend in Vancouver, where they went to the street fair and always would uh he he would always try to play this game to try and get a Moomin stuff. A stuffed movement so he could give to his, like, the person he was dating in Vancouver. But then the pandemic came and they stopped seeing each other. So that he, like, goes to this online claw game and tries to convince the company to let, to, like, fill one of the, the, like, this online claw game with, like, stuffed movements. <laughs> that one's, like, it's, like, cute. It's, yeah. like, it's, like, sort of funny, sort of emotional. It, it's alright. And then there's this other one called The Black Saturday, which is just, uh, these two kids is like on a Saturday, just like having fun, enjoying a Saturday, being mad that they're asked to do chores, which is like nice. It's like a, it, I enjoyed watching it. It's like eight minutes long. But uh, yeah, those are all the shorts I watched, and there is. I also watched a feature which we, yeah, talked around last week. But I feel like now we can talk uh-huh. about. Which I also saw, though the cat's also back and thinking about making mischief this time, it looks like. Alright. Uh, yeah, do? the movie is called Waiting for the Light to Change, uh, directed by Lynn Tran. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this is her feature debut. Yes. She's made some shorts before. Uh, it's this movie about these, like, friends i guess it's sort of vague how they i guess like some of them are have known yeah, each other, just like each other for a while some of them are meeting for the first time different really you know it's like a loose collection of friends yeah uh they go out to this cabin in somewhere in the midwest yeah uh it's like a cabin by a lake and uh, they just uh talk about their problems and have like sort of love triangles and sort yeah. of try to figure out their 20-year-old asses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I really, really loved it. I think it's, like, an incredibly impressive debut feature. It's, like, looks great, blocked insanely well, like, knows how to find every, like, sort of moment that you can ring out because like obviously as i described it it can it's like a pretty slight in Mm -hmm. terms of like what happened what is happening and like the emotional stakes of what is happening but i think it manages to find interesting angles or like an interesting way to look at these things or just like I don't know. I was just incredibly taken by it and like most of its performance. Yeah, I mean like the the thing that uh, I, I think both of us watched this on the recommendation of uh, a friend of the show, CJ Prince, and like the thing that he said that got me is just like, there are not American filmmakers who are working in this mode. Uh, and I, I very much could like feel that of like, it's just like exciting to like see a young american filmmaker just like doing something that is like not how independent movies in uh, america usually look like i i I think the the i I think he mentioned uh like hong sang su and eric romare's references and i 
I think those are references less in terms of, like, the specifics of the form or the content of the film, and more in terms of just, like, you know, making an aesthetic choice to, like, work on this very small, uh, scale, and just, like, make something that's gonna work on this scale, rather than, like, trying to, like, make this small-scale movie that's gonna be a calling card to make larger movies. It's just, like, it, it feels like it is meant to be this, rather than, like, a filmmaker who wants to do bigger and better things, uh, which was just really nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, like, for sure, also had that feeling where it's, uh, you rarely see American movies that get to be this small, but also, like, sort of emotionally open and, like, it's, like, it's, like, very open-hearted in a way that I feel like American independent film usually has to, like, take up a, a level of, like, irony or, uh... Or, like, cynicism. Right, or, like, so even if it, it is being more open-hearted, it has, then it has to, like, do it in this, like, very big way, which is also not what it's doing. Uh, that it is just, like, yeah. uh, more just, like, allowing this vulnerability on the part of the actors. And, like, you know, there are just, like, aesthetic choices of, like, shooting all in master shots, and I don't know exactly how the sound was done, but I would imagine that that also just sort of made that work of just, like, allowing it to be about the character and the dramatics, and then still leaving room to, like, make aesthetic choices, and, like, when you see a choice being made, it really counts. Yeah. Both aesthetic choices and, like, sometimes it'll make, like, what seems like a more... Like, a slightly... I wouldn't even say surreal. It's, like, hard to find the word for it, but it's, like... Like... It is... It It also doesn't just purely exist in just, like, small, just, like, realistic conversations. Yes, I like, feel like it'll, that is the it sort will of place where, in, where like, something like Hong... Sure. ...is recalled even more than, like, normal... So I think Hong has maybe started afraid. doing that a little more lately. But, yeah, I would say rather than, like, surreal, it, like, is unafraid to, like, move into the sublime uh, and out of it fairly yeah. freely. And it's it just, like, for a debut feature by a filmmaker I had never heard yeah. of, it is just, like, so impressively made. It, yes. it is just, like, truly just, like, one of the most confidently yes. made films I've ever seen, I think. It, it, it is just, like, Absolutely. it truly just completely took me. I really Yeah, it, it. it is great. And, like, uh, I would love to see uh, Lin Tran continue to work in this mode. Yeah, I guess, like, even somebody like an Edward Yang, I think I would mm. call out as, like, somebody who is similarly, like, works small, I but is, that. like, is, like, aesthetically confident and can go into moments of sublime yes. without, like, fully, like, making something surreal. And I think that there are movie, there are, like, choices and stuff like that that I think exist within this movie. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I've only seen a British Summer David. I, I, I can kind of see what you're coming from there. Yeah, like stuff in like Yi Yi with like Yang Yang in the pool and stuff like that, where it's just like this isn't fully existing in the realm of like realism necessarily, but it is sort of like 
small enough to not take you away. Right, from... and like it's sort of a thing where like because it takes this very specific uh aesthetic uh, uh it has this sort of very specific aesthetic design anytime it moves outside of that uh, mostly, usually slightly, even that means something, but then when you move outside of it significantly, it, you know, is huge. I mean, like, you, you do not see any of the characters' faces in close-up until probably, like, an hour into the hour and 15-minute film. Yep. Yeah, it's like... A lot of youth in that for shot, which yeah. is like I. It, it's like a little insane to compare anybody to Edward Yang, who might have been the greatest to ever do it, maybe. But uh, I, it, it is just like confident on a level where I mm-hmm. feel like comfortable making that comparison, just like mm-hmm. in terms of approach and aesthetics, it's not it, like separate from quality necessarily. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I yeah, believe that I really hope has some sort of life outside of this festival. For sure. That's everything I got. Yeah, that might be it. For yeah, I mean, today. that's certainly... We saw, we've saw. we all seen a lot in the last couple of weeks, I feel like. It's been, uh, you know, it's... New movies are back. We all love new things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. speaking of that, do we want to get into special presentations? Sure, sure. I feel like you're ready to go. I think so, yeah. Uh, you people's just good. It's funny. Um, I feel like people are saying it's poorly directed. I'm sure you'll say this, Cullen. I don't think I agree. It, like, looks crazy and tacky, but I am just like, it's a Netflix movie. Uh, that's fine. Uh, it's funny. Uh, like, our friend who we were watching it was saying, like, Eddie Murphy has, like, never been this restrained, which is kind of true, and it's weird to see in this movie that is not restrained at all. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, he's funny, Jonah Hill's very funny, uh, I think Lauren London is very good, I think the movie gives a lot less space to the female characters, which is certainly its biggest weakness and like similarly like the julia louis dreyfus stuff is like she has some funny bits but there uh is less going on with her on like a character level uh but it is you know check it out it's funny uh netflix it is very funny netflix doesn't want you to know it exists or maybe they do i don't know i haven't opened it the netflix a app in a while Okay. It was in the sizzle reel. Yeah. Talk about this sizzle reel. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I don't know what the Netflix app is serving people at this point. It's impossible to say. Well, it's um, different for everyone. It's algorithm, baby. It's got, like, yeah. I yeah, you can't catch... You. I was going to say, you can't... The Netflix app can't catch me with an algorithm because I open it up three times a year. <laughs> Uh, and it was torch stuts and then you people. <laughs> Listen, we'll get Let's to see. it. I just opened up my Netflix oh, app and it's recommending me that I watch Kunk on Earth. Don't know what that Kunk is. Kunk on C-U-N-K. Earth. C U N K. I don't Kunk. know what that is. 
All right. Serving Apparently, you it's a deadpan, witty, mockumentary British. Hey. So. That's not anything. A deadpan, mockumentary British? Witty. It's witty. What do you mean? Well, listen. If, that's not... if you don't want. You forgot some words there. <laughs> Those are the if describing you... words. I don't know what to tell you, Cullen. If you don't want to be served, conk, watch you people. <laughs> you Molly people is listed very very early on. It's trending now. It's in That's the top good. Ten. As we said, we love Number Molly Gordon. In this movie, of course, she is uh, playing Beanie Feldstein. Yeah. Uh, Why not just get Beanie Feldstein? <laughs> I don't know. Too close to Yeah, home. I think so. Uh, Duchovny really is funny. Duchovny's funny. <laughs> He's got some great bits. Um... Yeah, there's some very funny bits. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, if you like funny movies and you like like a sort of light romantic comedy, throw it on. It's not. It's not gonna hurt you. Yeah. Anyone have a special presentation ready? Uh, I read Toni Morrison's Jazz as I said earlier. That's like, I had a conversation with Colin recently. Where we were both like, we're reading a lot, but we don't know if books are good. <laughs> like, we have no... You know how you differentiate like, no, well, between the good books and the bad books? Yeah, Stop. it was just yeah. like, I read a book, oh, and I'm shit. like, yeah, that was a book. That was good, like all books are. <laughs> yeah. I'm not reading books like, this is stinks. I'm not going right. to read a book. Right, right. Like it's not that you don't know right. if the idea of a book is good, is that you don't know if any individual book it's, is good or not. It's yes. like, well, right. I finished I it, very so much it must have succeeded. That. I got to the end. Certainly, exactly. Yeah. Whatever critical faculties I have developed have, do not extend to books or novels. <laughs> I, I just, uh, but then I read Toni Morrison's Jazz and I was like, oh, this is good. Like, this is like noticeably like, oh shit. Like, yeah. this is doing like, this is like working on a level that other novels I have been uh-huh. reading have not. Where it's uh-huh. just like, and it's it just like that, it's just like the best thing I guess any art could be where it's just like both emotionally and politically profound but also like inventive in terms of form and it, it, it like mm-hmm. engaging in terms of form where it's like it like works on both levels mm-hmm. and i guess like anybody out there reading these days if you haven't checked out tony Nobel prize winner <laughs> tony morrison and her novel jazz you should check it out because it's very good it's incredible it truly is like one of those things i read where i'm like i think this sort of like lightly changes how i see aspects of the world mm-hmm. do you like jazz <laughs> do you like jazz um <laughs> i ventured out to the theater sunday night to see a little movie uh that is uh oscar nominated for best adapted screenplay and best actor called living uh it is uh directed by oliver hermanis uh it is uh adapted from a kurosawa movie we've talked about this a couple of times uh, Kazu oh, Ishiguro is uh, Oscar nominated for it, as is Bill Nye. I think it's really lovely. I think it's very nice. I mean, it like, I think it like tries to, like, it like gets like structurally in quote unquote interesting at the end, and I think like that is maybe not necessary. Like, I think it's just like it really works when it's just like watching Bill Nye like be a guy like going around and like trying to change his life as he has received this. Uh, terminal medical di- diagnosis. Like, I think he's really terrific. I think we should just give him the Oscar this year. I think, like, um, he's he's probably my favorite performance of the ones that got nominated. Um, and I think, yeah, it's like, a, it's it, it looks really striking. It's like, 
got like very old school style credits and like uh, aspect ratio. It's like really shot like to look like an older movie. Um, I'm not necessarily sure to what end, other than that, like it. I guess it vaguely takes place in that time yeah. period. Um, but um, but it, like it's interesting to look at, and I think the performance is really terrific. Although this contest going around where they're giving away his bowler hat is bullshit because the whole movie is like it, he loses the bowler hat very early on in the movie and gets a different hat, and that's like a huge sign of character growth for him. So no one should want to have the bowler hat. The bowler hat is the old him that he has to leave behind. Well, so but I don't understand why they're giving you, away the bowler hat. You don't have they're a... not giving away the bowler was, hat. Right. They're, not just they're giving, giving away bowler hat. But hats. also, you don't have a bowler hat, and so the introduction of a bowler hat can be a character change for you. I suppose. But I just think, you know, he wears a different hat, and it's like a big deal for him. And so they should give away the hey, other maybe, hat that he wears. I was going to say, maybe in a month they're going to give away the other hat, too. If they, listen, if they... Yeah, they shouldn't call that movie Living, because he dies. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Anyway. Uh, no, <laughs> sure. Uh, I think it was... I, yeah. The entire premise is that he's going to... I understand. I'm aware. It's a lovely movie. I think the performance is great. He sings a, like an old Scottish song, and it made me cry. Like it's got all the it mm. hits all the buttons that you want a movie like that to hit. Uh, and I think we should give him the Oscar. Yeah, I think he would be the funniest win for that category, and I support that. Mm-hmm. It would be funnier if the if the Anthony Hopkins things already that hadn't happened. I feel like sure. that sort of takes some of its novelty of just like we're gonna give it to the random old guy instead of yeah but bill nye's not that old he'll be around there's a pretty old is he he's not anthony i don't don't think anybody i don't think anybody has ever described bill nye as not that old (laughs) (laughs) i feel like being old has been like 80 percent of the entire career yeah i was gonna say all right bill nye is 73 isn't 80 half anthony hopkins like he was already 10 years older than More that. More 37. Yeah. So he's like 10 years older. Bill Nye, he's got some time. We sure. we have plenty of time to... He's going to do a award. whole, yeah, Christopher Plummer run, where he's just going to be in, like, Oscar bait after Oscar bait or whatever, right? We don't yeah. have to box him in. Maybe, okay. you know, maybe he's working with a peach upon various ethical next. We don't know. Sure. He's going to be in a a Lucretia Martel movie. Who can say? Mm -hmm. Maybe he's a Danny Glover run, except instead of producing, he's uh, acting in them. Right. Anyway. Um. I'll just double down and say my special presentation is uh. Last things. <laughs> I don't know if there's any way you'll be able to watch it anytime soon. But it's like it's this is the new it's the new the new juice, the new favorite thing. Listen, it's not hard to email Deborah Stratman. If you really want sure, if yeah, you I mean, really yeah. want to see the movie, give it a Don't shot. tell her Never we hurts. sent you though. Don't be I mean, like <laughs> If you're like the fiftieth person to do it, don't tell her we sent you. But like you know, you know filmmakers i think generally like when people see their movies yeah 
sometimes on a computer is not the ideal way to do that. Maybe maybe not soon, but uh yeah. If I could have seen it in a theater, it would have been I think certainly. like a religious experience. Right. Like <laughs> I am like give it some time. Maybe it'll play the rounds more than we might expect it to, but you know, if November comes around and you're like, I'd like to see that movie that they were talking about. That sounds really good. You can probably pull it off. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, getting in contact with people, hey. if you want to follow us on any social media, we're uh, on Twitter at Can I Kick It on Letterboxd and Instagram at CIKIPod. We're uh, you can email us at Can I Kick It Pod at Gmail dot com. You can donate money to us at ko-fi.com slash can I. Now more than ever, we will accept your money. I, I paid a lot of money for Sundance movies, folks. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's where he's like, maybe it's not so accessible. <laughs> um, uh, they're, uh, they're breathing down my neck. Um, it's due tomorrow. Our theme song by Tree Related. <laughs> <laughs> It's due tomorrow. <laughs> First, rent's due tomorrow. <laughs> oh, rent's yeah. due. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, are SoundCloud. Eugene Hernandez and you want to pay Andy's rent, we will take a uh, a coffee donation that will go exclusively to Andy. Rather, if you put that in the memo. Normally, you can't do that. You can't specify who it goes to, but. Anyone, anyone yeah. who is is, is uh, holds an executive position at the Sundance Film Festival can write in the memo line for Andy's rent. Andy is emailing directors from Sundance, but just with his cash app. It's like, you know, what yeah, to do. Uh, yeah. But our theme songs by True Related on SoundCloud, Spotify, at True Related. I'm on Twitter at Clatchley. I'm Andy. At Andy T. Germ. Emilio. I'm Laugh Alone on Twitter. I Laugh Alone on Letterboxd. And Jesse. J-C-P-G-L-I-C-K-W-E-B-B-E-R. I'll get that out now in case I can't say letters next week. That's also my email. I'm easy to email. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At uh, Gmail. I'll also say... Uh, at me on Twitter if I should make a Goodreads account. <laughs> uh, or if you have a good alternative bunk. to Goodreads. <laughs> there is, but no one's using it. Maybe just make a spreadsheet. I don't know. Goodreads... It... Yeah, I just I just have a notes app. Yeah. Apology? Anyway. Jesse? <laughs> I am so pleased to release our audience. Bye! Bye! Bye. Welcome back to Can I Kick It? It's Emilio here. Today, as part of our ongoing coverage of the Sundance Film Festival, we are interviewing a variety of filmmakers and covering a variety of movies. Today with us, we have Gloria Marramarero Sanchez, whose new movie La Pecera is premiering at the festival. Uh, how are you doing, Gloria I'm very, I'm doing well. Um, thank you for having me and for your interest in our film. It's a very interesting movie. Uh, how's your Sundance been going so far? It's been amazing. A great experience uh, meeting other colleagues, filmmakers, um, 
seeing films from other countries and sharing experiences at panels. I've been attending to two panels and it's been great. And yesterday we had our premiere and it was full house in the in the theater and we have a really good q a at the end and today we have our second screening so thrilled and happy yes that's great to hear so for those who haven't had an opportunity to watch la pesera yet uh, it is a film about noelia who is a visual artist from puerto rico living in its metro area who receives the news that her cancer has metastasized and decides to go out to Vieques, which is a uh, an island on the east coast of Puerto Rico, which has a long history with protests regarding the U.S. government's treatment of its beaches. And I was just wondering, like, where did the idea for the movie start? Like, was the genesis more with the protests in Vieques, or did you have the idea of this woman's life? Yes, the initial idea was regarding the, the this woman's lives uh, um, life. I wanted to work on um on a woman that had a terminal disease because I went through that process with my mother on May 2013. And in October of that same year, I wrote the first version of the screenplay. Um, I decided to work with a, with a woman that has the same sickness as my mother because I was related to it. But I wanted to work also in a setup like Vieques that will allow me to go deep in terms of talking about colonialism and the military pollution that is still today in Vieques. Yeah, that's fascinating. It is also fascinating when the movie is set because it seems to be set during 2017, a major par uh, part of the plot towards its back half regards Hurricane Irma, which for those who don't know, the hurricane that came here right before Maria. The, the, and I was wondering, like, uh, where did the idea to set it during that specific time come from? Well, um, I had a very long development stage for the project and now the film. Um, and in 2017, Maria hit Puerto Rico and I had major like a major impact in my home and it was really scary and you know it was a like a, a trauma the the experience of maria so i i was working in the rewriting during that period of time so i decided to go back to the screenplay and try to see how an event as a as this hurricane not not necessarily maria because I wanted to work with Irma, which everyone forgets that it came before Maria. And so I decided to work with Irma because it hit uh, Vieques, part of Vieques. So it was um, relevant to me to work on the imaginary and the existence of this hurricane because it's so connected to Puerto Ricans. And it helped me to, you know, to promote the the path of the journey of the character in order to speed up the process of going underwater uh to to get the material the audiovisual material of the pollution so i use the i use the hurricane as a like a clock of time you know like to speed up the actions so 
but it was mainly because for me it was really hard to go back to the screenplay and not even consider a hurricane after what I experienced with my family um, with the impact of Maria. It's like it was like a to heal also that process that I had, which was super scary during the heat of the hurricane. Yeah, and like a thing you mentioned in that answer is a thing that is it's sort of an undercurrent that runs through the movie which is like even for Puerto Ricans Vieques can seem like a very remote distant place that you don't have that much awareness of so it's like something like like Irma which for the rest of us Puerto Ricans were like oh well that didn't really hit that much or do that much but in Vieques it was obviously a much different thing exactly yeah that was the intention to talk about but it hit Vieques and something happened in Vieques because of that and they were more weak when Maria came so it was even worse and let's not forget that before Maria we had Irma that affected some areas in Puerto Rico yeah and it's also interesting because to a certain extent it is a sort of issue and as you said a ticking clock for the movie the sort of Irma and how other people regard it but also it is sort of what the main character seems to find freeing about Vieques that there is an element of she can sort of escape to it is that a thing that you had to sort of think about in your mind like how a person from Vieques would think about this place yeah I mean this is the the hometown of the character and it was important for her to go back to her mom due to the stage where she's going through her illness. So it was like a journey of going back and seeing with her eyes the natural space of Vieques and discovering for the audience, and Noelia helps them to, through her journey, we can discover what is going on in Vieques, little by little, because she has this conversation with a friend and she goes into these places where you can see the pollution underwater, but also she goes into a bunker that can allow you to get to know that um, she's going back to a kind of a paradise that is polluted. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like a way of she being a mirror of Vieques within her body, you know, through her, we can see what is there. Yeah. And I was also, I was curious about the underwater shots. So I, again, I know that sort of thing can be difficult to shoot. Like how was it getting those underwater shots for the end of the movie of like all the uh, unexploded munitions, like old tanks Yeah. That was quite challenging. I have to say that Maite Rivera Carbonell did an amazing job on coordinating the two units that we have for the underwater process. The, um, the shots that Isel, the main, the lead actress is on underwater, that was taken in Aguadilla for safety reasons. And then we work with a stunt that knows the area where we go, we're gonna be in Vieques. And so we had two units, one in Aguadilla and one in in Vieques. And uh, the stunts helps, you know, like this is people that know the area, know how to dive around these um, objects. And so they were very <clears throat> helpful. And we have Rafi Morinari doing the underwater in Aguadilla and Antonio Silva doing the underwater 
in, in Vieques. Um, we have limited amount of time to do that because it's a, it's an area that you shouldn't be that long. Um, but yeah, we got material enough in order to work on the post-production and the editing of it, but it was quite challenging because it takes double, triple time to do underwater if you compare like doing something on the ground or indoors, you know, so yeah, but we did it. <laughs> I mean, and it's great to see, I mean, obviously it's like a big part of like towards the end of the movie, the sort of somatic, the sort of things that you want to show towards the end. Uh, a couple more questions. Uh, first of all, it, I was wondering, like, are there any specific influences you have, like, in your filmmaking that you like to shout out or things that you looked at, movies, TV, uh, yeah. books that you watched <laughs> and thought about while making this movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah, many. Um, one film that really helped me to, as a reference, it's um, My Life Without Me of Isabel Quaichet. It's an amazing film uh, about a sick woman that also received uh, very bad news about her health. And also Agnes Varda. I really like um, the work of that master. <laughs> um, there is a movie that is called Vagabond that it's amazing. And it's like a journey of a uh, homeless. Um, that that helped me in order to, you know, to work and develop on intimacies. Um, also, Lucrecia Malter is another filmmaker that I really like her work. Um, I like the her proposal of the naturalistic um, form. Um, in terms of books, I... I read about intuition for directing. I read about screenplays, obviously, and how to approach the rewriting of it. And also I read about, um, I don't remember the name of the author, but um, there's a book regarding directing actors because you really need to be prepared in order to approach the time on set and develop an itinerary that can work. And I also study about that, directing actors. Um, yeah, like it was very interdisciplinary and um, integration of different elements. I study a lot. I even read about concentration um, with an amazing author that I really like that is um, Carl Newport that promotes um, concentration through avoiding uh, the time span on social media and on the web so I also work on on working you know I also work on con only concentration <laughs> how how can I concentrate better yeah. so yeah I study a lot to do this film I really did <laughs> and, and listen it, it's a great film and it shows uh last thing I was wondering uh how was it like working with Isel? you mentioned the main actress in the movie because it's obviously leans a lot on her she's the main character she's basically in every frame of the movie and she also has to play this pain that she feels throughout the movie and you sort of have to balance like how much she can show this pain versus how much she's trying to live her normal life and try to balance her, her relationships while on this island and I'm wondering if that was a challenge at all um, working with Isel was a, a, absolutely amazing. She's a very disciplined um, actress. Um, she did a lot of research in terms of working towards this pain that, that you mentioned of the character. Um, 
she is very connected to Vieques. Um, the grandmother of um, her daughters are from Vieques. So she knows the stories of Vieques. She's been related to Vieques for many years. So that add, um, that add up in terms of our work to the, together. And she's very organic and genuine and open. So it was, you know, it, it was challenging in terms of, I mean, she was doing a sick woman and Isel is super healthy. So she had to study all these references and she really went really down in terms of studying the 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 how the pain feel, where does it come from? Um yeah, she was um very professional on set also. Um and, and, and she did an amazing job from my point of view. She was it's evident how connected she is with with the character. Yeah, and it ensures it's like a great performance. Um, and with that, I if there are anything else you would like to say, uh, anything, any other thing you would like an audience to know, anybody who wants to, who is thinking about checking out La Pecera? Well, uh, we just start our journey um, in the film festival circuit. So yeah, it's like, keep um, following us so you know where the film is going. I'm going to be in Sweden next week um, for another festival um so it's opening doors around the world to talk about this uh, story um i i yeah it's like i hope when it's in puerto rico people come to see it and um people can can share it with their families and you know like i, I really would like to people to see it the people from vieques and the people of puerto rico obviously but yeah we are we have a very long journey ahead with this premiere at Sundance. It's opening many, many doors. So we are very grateful for that. That's great to hear. Thank you so much for being on Glory Month. Thank you for your time and your interest. Thank you.